Okay, so I was going to say welcome back, but we've never actually done this podcast before. Nope, this is a brand new thing. <laughs> Some of you may have heard us before, the twings. This is Beep or BP. I don't really care. And Mick. Ooh, we're back, baby. Yeah. It's been like five years. <laughs> Once upon a time, we started a podcast called Spoilers and Snapbacks, and it lasted like 12 seconds, but it was really fun getting all the stuff together for it. It was it was a lot of fun. It was the editing and us being flaky bitches. That's the truest thing I've heard all day, for sure. <laughs> and then we did, at some point, many more podcasts before that. Those podcasts shall not be named. Black box in our history, and no one needs to know what's inside of it. <laughs> it's so true. Those have been compartmentalized and put away in the Chamber of Secrets. Never to be seen or spoken of again. No. So we decided, though, because I got super, super excited after seeing these previews, that we're going to cover the peripheral because it's eight weeks long and we figured we might be able to do something for that duration. Yeah, I think we can handle eight. Yeah. So so there's a, a goal in sight. Very quick, easy. First season. We got this. You can find me on Twitter at Beepsplain. And you can find me at McNick1291. Brilliant. So. Episode one of the peripheral. We're going to obviously talk about what happened, but I thought we would go by character and kind of see what everyone's deal is, who seems to be important, at least from the very beginning. Obviously, there will be more people that come into the fold. So what is up with Flynn Fisher? She's like a hot mess, but in the best way. The best way, right? Flynn Fisher, she is our protagonist. Or one of our, well, for the first episode, she's the protagonist. For sure. And she lives with their mom, who is blind, I believe. Mm -hmm. And is like the primary caretaker because it seems as though the rest of her family is too busy living in trailers, doing other stuff to feed their mom, give her her meds, do all that. And she works at the the world that we're in right now. What's the year that that this is taking place in, in timeline? One. So we're in Blue Ridge Mountains in the year 2032. And it's the world is a very weird hybrid. It is like a little podunk town and it seems like forgotten by history. But because it's the future, they have cool technology shit. Right. So she works in this like 3D print shop, which on the one hand, is really cool right now, but she somehow still lives in the Podunk town. It's like it's like they were forgotten again. Yeah, so she has a cool, like, electric bike. She works in a 3D print shop. They have a, I'm assuming it's supposed to be a futuristic Roomba that just hovers off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the print shop itself is essentially like a Kinko's at this point. <laughs> It's and it's it's like what you imagine a Kinko's today looks like. Just a rundown shithole. No offense to anyone who works at Kinko's. Get that money. <laughs> yes, that's still a thing. Good for them. So somebody said, I do want to bring this up at the very beginning because I got so mad. I made the mistake of reading some reviewers and what they had said just vaguely about the first six episodes. And one thing they said was that they didn't understand why Flynn's participation in these Sims had to be a secret from everybody. And I just like wanted to freak the fuck out because, dude, rich guys are paying someone, aka Burton, her brother, which we'll talk about in a second, to get them to level up on Sims that they can't beat on their own. Do you think 
for one minute, they would be okay with a girl doing that. It seems that in 2030, whatever, the patriarchy is still strong. (laughs) I literally wrote down, don't be daft. (laughs) There's no way they're going to let her do that. No, it's it's also such a weird concept. So so Burton, Flynn's brother, is a professional jockey, which is a video game person that is hired to level up rich people in sim video games, which the premise of that actually makes a lot of sense, but also makes no sense at all to me. But then again, like I aspire to be a professional video gamer and like streamer and just get to play video games for a living. So like, I get it, but I also know it's not feasible. That is kind of an interesting question. Like how the jockeying occurs. Cause he's always in the same location. It's not like he ever meets them. Is there some sort of login? Cause it seems like everything is hooked to the actual hardware. And so far as like, you just enter obviously with your character as soon as you do that. So that's some interesting logistical questions that have no bearing on anything, but that I'm very interested in. We're, we also are going to get hung up on details that don't matter. 100%. That's kind of our thing. It really is. But so Flynn works at this 3D print shop that is just like a Kinko's. She has had a crush on Tommy forever. Since seventh grade. In seventh grade. Her best friend is Billy Ann, who is the best who is just so extra and her and burton because obviously they can't just get a prescription for their mom's medication they have to buy it from drug dealers because that checks out because reasons because reasons so they the money that burton makes from playing video games professionally is used to purchase medication for himself and his mother because they both got some issues. But she, okay, and and that happens in here. She has to go get medicine for her mom at some point. And I mean, that's a wad of cash. I believe it was $1,000 for a 20 milligram pill of some painkiller, I think. That is absolutely bonkers insane and reminds me too much of Big Pharma today. So again, everything is totally normal. (laughs) Ten years in the future, everything still sucks. There you go. I guess that's that's a good background on Flynn before we get into like the main plot of what this pilot entails. We have Blue Ridge Mountains twenty thirty two. We also have London twenty ninety nine. Right, and and that's a, that's a sim for right now. Except that was the first scene that we saw was character we now know as Wilf sitting on a bench. Totally creepy barefoot kid comes up and sits down next to him. And starts telling him, you know, kind of asking. She she clearly knows him. They've known each other. But he's looking at her strangely. And I felt like just because of, of knowing sci-fi in general, that you could look and be like, yeah, that's not her. Like, whoever it is that's speaking is not that kid. Yeah. And she's talking about, you know, well, I've saved you before. And remember what I did. And I gave you my shoes. Apparently, shoes are a thing with her. But she tells him. When he asks, he's like, you know, what are you going to do? And she says, I'm going to save the world. And he's like, I thought you said our world was beyond saving. That was the whole point. And she's like, I didn't say our world. So then it's all like, ooh, tingly. Because we then know, based on how it's cutting back, they need to save the world well before that point. Yeah. And 
in that opening scene, basically the character name, he calls her Alita. Mm -hmm. She leaves the body and it's just like this child now staring off into space. And it's real creepy. It's super creepy. They zoom out and the setting is weird because they said it's London 2099. Mm -hmm. And there is in the middle of London some what looks like very very old almost like mayan-esque egyptian-esque timeline idol things in the middle of london and wilf is sitting on the bench watching miniature boats like reenact a sea battle so like cannons are going off and like destroying each other so it's like a really weird mix of modern or futuristic mixed with ancient mixed with more historical stuff so it's a really odd mix of things in this 2099 timeline from what we've seen right and it kind of matches that idea of the sim of like oh that stuff could all be together because when you look around like you said at those clues i mean it's so anachronistic like that right this thing does not belong here it's not what you would that you would think you would see in the future and it's not something that even was there in that location in the past so it's not like they've restored it or done anything to it like it's kind of a whole world mixed within itself different places different time frames different whatever and that kind of fits pretty well for the idea of the sim because it's like oh you guys just like dumped everything into this cool game really awkward transition yeah so burton is her brother which at first is presented to just be like kind of a ne'er-do-well, right? He seems more like he's out there playing video games because he's like a little bit lazy. He seems like an oaf, like he just plays video games. And then when you find out that he makes money doing it, you're like, okay, slightly less judgment, but still a decent amount of judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And when Flynn, who, as you said, is the caretaker, because what would he be doing besides living in another airstream outside the house? She finds that her mom is missing medication and confronts him about it because obviously, right, he's the one taking it. And he's the only one who knows about it. So they have this kind of fight and he says nothing. So at first, I know that both of us were kind of like, ugh, this guy. This guy's the worst. He steals his mom's drugs. Like, what more of a fucking stereotype can you be? But we but. were tricked by the TV show. <laughs> it does happen every now and then so literally by the end of this episode i would die for <laughs> yes everything to me because what really happened is their mother had been running out of medication and so he was substituting in his own which he clearly based on the scene where you see him in dire pain from his haptics he needs so desperately but he's acting like to his mom that he doesn't so that she can be more comfortable. Which, fun fact, he has haptics in his body. It's I, I know this isn't correct, but it reminds me of like in video games when you get cybernetics. Sure. And the reason for this we're able to postulate is because he was a soldier. We see that in the first scene of the house of their house him in his uniform so he was a soldier and we later get to meet some of his soldier friends yeah we do see his unit at the end i mean they're obviously still like very bonded brothers the only one who is not there is connor <laughs> who 
Woe has his whole own thing going on because he was a member of their unit and he has lost both legs and an arm. And someone mentions him getting blown up. And if you are a fan of the twins and our ramblings on the internet, we were both shocked to find that the actor playing Connor was actually on The Hundy, one of our formerly okay shows. <laughs> yeah, it's Eli Gorey, and I could not have told you that in one million years. He grew up. He grew up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was like, well, hello, Mr. Eli. Dude, he has some of the coolest tech. Yeah, he is in like a wheelchair that like plugs into it's like the Batmobile, how like in the Dark Knight movies, is able to like take out part of his car and it's a motorcycle and his wheelchair like plugs into a car. <laughs> it's amazing. And it looks so badass. And I kind of love his whole deal because you can tell he's someone who has such a sense of perseverance and he's very, he's stubborn, right? He has like such a stick to itness. And yet he also does not give one single fuck if he dies. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of, he's kind of one of those people that's like the worst thing that's happened to me has already happened. So like, I got nothing left. Yeah. And when he gets in the, uh, <laughs> The confrontation with the guys outside when Flynn's trying to buy medication. I mean, to me, it is, it's hilarious. And they're telling her, you know, she, she's like, you better back off. And he's like, oh, you're worried about your little boyfriend. She's like, I'm worried about you. She's like, this guy. And I love his, he says something along the lines of worst thing you can do is kill me. And all I get to do is kill two of you. Right. Like, there's, <laughs> there's three guys. And he's like, very worst scenario. I only get to kill two of you. Before you take me out. And they're just like, what in the world is it happening right now? So they shit a brick and they give Flynn the, the medication. And it's one, they're making a thousand dollars for one pill. Like, come on. Yeah. Just give her the pill. We find out very quickly that these are like low level drug dealers who have a big old boss. And that is Corbell Pickett, who is clearly in charge of, like, everything that goes on in this town, is as shady as they come and decides the way he wants to deal with seeing that they got bullied in the parking lot by what he's referring to as a cripple or something even worse. Can't even remember. It was shitty. Yeah, it was terrible. He <laughs> decides to smash one of their faces into a table. Because why not? Into a shot glass into a table oh that guy's nose that guy's face so one of his lackeys the one who's quote unquote in charge he's teaching him a lesson so he's like you need to take this shot because i got a lesson to teach you the guy takes the shot he grabs the back of his head and slams it into the table shot glass shatters guy falls on the floor is bleeding and his response is just like hey other lackey go to the bathroom and clean him up <laughs> oh that guy is brutal i think he might need stitches <laughs> yeah you can tell from the very beginning like this guy has no conscience clearly just wants to show everybody i'm in charge we're not sure what he's in charge of yet but it's obviously a pretty big deal because all of these like big burly you know redneck dudes are very much reporting to him and allowing him to do something like that when you think there's like three or four of them and i mean they could take him like physically if they wanted to so clearly something else is going on there. Do we have any other characters that we need to discuss? 
Let's just loop them in really quickly. So we've heard about Jasper from Billy Ann, right? And that's her husband. So quick relational spectrum. Flynn Fisher and Billy Ann, best friends. Jasper, Billy Ann's husband. Jasper also nephew of Corbell Pickett, awful, awful dude. Small town America. There you go. Everyone knows everybody. I also, I this is another reviewer thing that drove me nuts because I saw multiple people saying it. They were complaining about the Southern accents. And I'm going to give you this. I could agree to the fact that they don't necessarily sound like they're from the exact same area, right? Because like those people, they clearly all grew up in this town and never moved. So do they sound like they're all from the exact same town? Maybe not. But I was born, grew up, and live in the South, and I didn't find a single problem with the way they spoke. I feel like that is being nitpicky for the sake of being nitpicky. And that's pretty much what I thought, too. Somebody actually also mentioned, right, that Burton, his accent was way over the top. Whereas I'm just impressed because that gentleman is Irish. <laughs> Seriously? Uh-huh. Pretty damn good accent. Yeah. And anyone, like, I don't, what do you even mean by over-the-top accent? I mean, <laughs> have you heard people in the film? And I'm not even trying to say that's a bad thing. I'm just, I don't understand. It's a very distinct accent, type of accent. Like, there's obviously tons of different dialects of Southern accent. But it's a little over-the-top, you know. It's just, just the way it is. But there's also levels of that. I mean, you hear that out of certain people. Now, maybe he sounds what some people would say is, you know, like a stereotypical Southern accent. But I'm sorry. In most cases, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. There are plenty of people that sound just like Burton Fisher. End of story. All right. Let's get into the actual plot of this episode. We've touched upon some things, but those are mainly character moments that give us backstory on on the characters and their lives the actual main plot of the peripheral is that burton has gotten his hands on a contract to test out some new sim tech which he had 3d printed at flynn's work and flynn's boss and co-worker were like oh my god does he work for the cartel like this is like funded completely by some Colombian company. Like we don't know what it is. It's some crazy sim tech. And the reason that Burton was able to obtain this contract was because in Halcyon, a game, he is one of the few people to pass level 100, which when he tells Flynn that that's how he got this contract, she's like, bullshit, you couldn't get past level 83. And he's like, Nope, but somebody using my avatar went and got themselves to level 107. So guess what, sis? I'm going to need you to test out this sim for me because I am not equipped. It's brand new technology. It looks distinctly different, right, from the sims they've been using up to this point. Uh, Up until then, it's like what we would consider VR with like the sliding down the glasses and she has like a little bit of... Like a controller. Yeah, yeah, if you will. And she jumped in a a sim to pretend to be him with his friends which is actually super funny i laughed so hard when she was like you guys don't even have the decency to let the sheep out (laughs) (laughs) this is not real and she's like so concerned about like being nice yeah and she we see this 
before Burton gets this new tech, we see her jump in for him because he had to go to the bathroom or something. He had to take a quick break. So she jumps in for him. His friends are instantly like, oh, shit, it's Flynn. And they're playing some sort of war game where they have to find a map and they're surrounded by hostiles. And Flynn is just like, you guys are stupid. And just goes full superhero mode <laughs> and like kills all the guys, almost kills the friends because she's so in the zone and they weren't like, hi, we're friendly, we're friendly. So she almost shoots them in the face too. Like she's just good at these sim games. She decimates the entire surroundings <laughs> and then calls them stupid because they were looking for a map, but the map hadn't arrived yet. Like the entire premise is hilarious. We get the idea. She's very good at these games. And they know it. They could tell, you know, as soon as it switched from her to, or from Burton to her. And Reese, the guy was like, he knew when she complimented his beret. <laughs> She's like, nice hat. It's like, oh, Flynn. Oh, Flynn's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically Burton has this new tech. And the money from this, from testing this tech out, is going to set us up for a long time. We're not going to have to worry about money from mom's pills. Like, we're going to be fine. But I need you to do it because you're the one that they actually wanted to hire, not me. Mm -hmm. Which they can get their hands on her information because she's actually the one that signed for it. So she's at Kinko's, right? And she has to sign for it before she can take it home because they asked for chain of custody. So her coworkers make her sign for it. And so now, even though she's going to be going in as Burton's avatar, she is actually the one linked to all the information. So like, oops, she done gave TikTok her info. I don't know. Privacy issues going on here. She It takes a little bit of convincing, but she's finally like, okay, I guess I'll jump into the game and I'll try it out. She wants to know like what they're looking for, like a killer, like what, what persona is she going to be playing in this game? Burton tells her it's just like exploring and like doing some adventuring, just testing out how it works. So she agrees reluctantly, and then she's kind of excited. So she does. She puts it on, right? And then we have, like, you know, countdown from 10. So we're watching her close her eyes and count down, and then, boom, she essentially wakes up already on a motorcycle, okay? She's she's not so much an avatar this time as, like, you know, a certain soldier in a game, a certain whatever. She is her brother, which that gets a little creepy for a hot minute, but she is Burton. And unlike anything that she's done before with like missions or whatever, she has a voice that's in her head who's telling her what to do. And she also realizes very quickly, it's not only that, you know, she can see and she feels like she's immersed in this, but she can feel things too. And it really completely feels like she's in this body doing these things. Which she finds pretty exhilarating because that is kind of amazing technology. Like if you're usually just in an avatar and you can get shot 50 times and you're like, whatever, I guess I just lost. That's one thing. But if you fall off your motorcycle or something and you feel like you fell off your motorcycle, Oof. that adds a whole new level to the sim. Truly. Okay. I love, and this is like such a simple thing and probably people are going to be like, you're very easy to please. And in some ways I am. But the arrows that go through that reminds you of like you know an old school video game like even like the motorcycle things on like super old school nintendo yep and it's showing exactly where where i'm still gonna say she as flynn even though she's burton where she needs to go 
I yes. love that. It's so simple. It's so whatever. It had me when it was blinking through. I was like, yay, I love it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the entire, like Flynn is obviously being guided to a location as she's having this conversation with this voice in her head who is like her overwatch. Mm-hmm. So she gets to this location, which you can tell she looks at it and says, you know, oh, I recognize that. And the lady's like, you recognize what it used to be, which was what Buckingham Palace yeah. is what it looked like to me. Sure. Yeah, it was Buckingham Palace. Yeah. It was very much like, ha, 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 that's not what it is anymore. So she is very confused because instead this lady wants her to go to a party and show off her skills on like fitting in. Right. So it's for this place called, right, the Research Institute, which you can tell from the very beginning. Oof, big bad. Yeah. And tells her to go in there and, like, find the hottest person in there. But then clearly has to point out who that is. Because, because, because she looks at this very attractive, I would think, the hottest person in the room lady who is... It's Hannah from Bly Manor. Yeah, it's Hannah from Bly Manor. And I'm like, I'm like, good eye, Flynn. Good eye. Because she is fucking <laughs> hot. And she's like, no, that's actually like a giant evil big bad boss. And if you tried to do that, like you fucking die. So like maybe don't. Yeah. Like you might be right about that, but we're so not there yet. <laughs> like maybe she is the most attractive, but trust me, you're not ready to go down this road. <laughs> but the mission is to find the most attractive woman at the party and get her to take Burton home. Which adds just a fun little twist because Flynn, as her brother, has to hit on a woman and convince her to take her home and get it on. And she kind of like, she stutter steps with it, but only for a second. And then it takes her a split second. She's like, this is a little, no, I got this. <laughs> I got it. I'm smooth. I'm smooth. I got this. <laughs> so... She talks this woman into that at like five seconds, which is just convenient for moving on. But we go then into this woman's car and the voice in Flynn's head is quick to point out the driver, which I looked up or and happened to see in previews because I don't know that they've said this yet in the show. They're called coids. It is a coid and it's a sign to like protect a certain person, which obviously you see in about five seconds. But I just had this feeling like immediately all my buttons push like those are going to become super important. Those are Chekhov's coids. Somewhere in this story, everything is going to get screwed up because of one of those. Yeah, I mean, that is that is like Chekhov's weird bodyguard. Yeah, exactly. So the voice in her head kind of warns her, but it's not very long before she has to like fight this thing in a moving car. And it's driving. It's doing much better than her. But eventually she kills it because, you know, she's Flynn. Because she's Flynn. She's awesome. But it's great because she's, as Burton, making out with this chick in the back, has to break a vial under her nose after being warned that if you do anything to harm this woman, that driver is going to, like, fuck your shit up. And it's like, by the way, now do something to hurt her and let's see how you handle this. Yeah. Because she makes her pass out. And then it's like immediately this machine is like, <laughs> no, we're not doing this. So that fight ensues. The lady's knocked out in the back. The coit is now disposed of. Easy Ice, what is it? Mr. Easy Ice, who is the name of the avatar of Burton, 
is now invited to a new location. And this doesn't happen right away. It's essentially like that point, right? Alita just like lets Flynn go. It's like, cool, maybe we'll do this tomorrow. And then like Flynn's immediately out of the sim, which is super freaky. Even right then, like she was having fun. It was all cool. But it's scary even then because she was removed by something in the sim. It was not her choice. Yeah, so she she drives to this like secret warehouse, the car like pulls up the car with the broken coid in it, and the doors open and there's this grown ass woman who is Alita and Flynn as Burton, really trippy, is like, What's next? And she's like, Maybe we do this again sometime and like this boot bamps her right out of the sim. Yeah, which is a lot. When she brings her back in, Flynn as Burton strapped to a table and they're getting ready to do you know surgery on on him but we definitely want him to be awake alita is very interested in flynn feeling all of the pain so they just go ahead and you know rip an eye out rip a rip an eyeball out and the entire time flynn is freaking out and burton is like they cut back to our current timeline and Burton is just like washing some dishes, just doing whatever as Flynn's in the sim because she was really into doing it again because it was fun. And her vitals are like going crazy. She Her heart rate's up and Alita keeps telling her, she's like, I want to see you calm yourself down. Like prove to me that you're capable of controlling this. And Flynn fucking does it and lets them cut out Burton's eyeball and insert a different eyeball. Which, guess who that belongs to? The lady who passed out in the back of the car. So somewhere along the way, someone, I assume, has disposed of her entirely. And we're just passing eyeballs around. No big deal. Just another day. Yeah, I mean, why not? So the eyeballs are used for biometrics, right? They have to get into a location that apparently that woman had access to. Yeah, so they're using, like, retinal scanners to, like, scan her eyeball and get access into this crazy building. Yeah, I like how they have all these things that just open up, right? Like, and this happened before, obviously, but they had the brick wall that just, like, fell back. And now they have the water that just goes, separates when you go to walk through. It's, like, very Moses-esque. I am wondering, though, because it just seems like a really intense difficult way to do this like is the eye just for scanning or did that woman know something more i guess at least in this point of the story we don't really know what alita's motivations are and even though she said you know i'm going to save the world like everyone's the hero of their own story like what does she mean by that yeah seriously Oh, and one thing that we forgot to mention, Alita, before kicking Flynn out of the sim the first time, was there was a line, if you knew you were going to die in 10 years or something along those lines. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. She basically said to him, if you knew you were going to die in 10 years, would it change the way you were living now? Yeah. So we get some idea that something might be happening in 10 years and Alita seems to be priming Flynn to do something to maybe prevent that or to enrich her life or do do something along those lines. And 
And Alita is just kind of like a weird unknown, but she seems like a crazy person a little bit. For sure. And for whatever reason, especially later on, whenever Wilf comes through the technology and is trying to warn Flynn about everything that's going on, we get the impression, right, that he is a good guy. Yeah. But Alita, even though she was consorting with him at the beginning, she is very much a wild card. Yeah. So they get into some crazy level of some crazy sim facility that is bonkers. And Alita tells Flynn to scan her eye. And she goes to scan the dead person's eye. And she's like, no, your other one. And grabs the back of Burton's head and holds it up against this like laser beam of some sort that starts uploading information, downloading information. I don't know what. And it seems very painful. Because Flynn is trying to get away, but Alita's holding her head there. And then finally it stops and Alita lets go. And Flynn's like really freaked out. Because, but there's some sort of what, from our perspective at this point, is a bad guy who has come to kill them. And does so quite successfully. <laughs> yeah. So Alita's like, go, he's here to kill us. Take care of him. So Flynn's like, okay, I can do this. I'm like, I've got this. Well. Flynn would have this if he didn't have some sort of like supersonic cannon gun. Yeah, it's almost like it reminds me of like an EMP. Yeah, but with just like sonic force. Right. Just shooting it at you. (laughs) Yeah. But before he, you know, really fucks Burton up, he gets Burton, Burton's body, Flynn, into some zip ties and goes after Alita and starts firing this weird gun thing at her. And he's like, oh, we're prepared for this. Ha, ha, ha. Well, Alita's kind of fucked. So Flynn is like, okay, I got to get out of these cuffs. And what happens is in the process of pulling her hand out of the plastic cuffs, all of the skin on one of her hands peels off to show that she's actually a robot. Which, yeah, leads Flynn through a whole set of things later because that makes no sense. A little existential crisis he types Sure. Why would you put that sim? Why, why would a sim be mechanical and human when it's all ultimately fake? Right? Here's what I wonder. Is Alita a peripheral? No, the name of these robots that you can put your consciousness in are peripherals, hence the name of the show. Sure. We've already seen her consciousness in a child. Well, my question is, can a peripheral bleed? Because we see her bleeding. Ah, okay. I didn't notice that. Yeah, after she gets... So while Flynn is trying to escape, she gets beat up pretty badly with this cannon thing and gets punched in like the organs that presumably start bleeding like she it's rough and at a certain point now i might be mistaken but i recall seeing blood pouring out of her mouth okay fair enough i still just generally wonder what her deal is and what kind of string she's pulling yeah because if this is truly her which i mean we're supposedly watching a sim at the moment and yet we know it's real So if we've already seen her in another body, 
of that child, what is she doing exactly with her consciousness? Right. I, and I genuinely don't know, like, are the peripherals just something that, like, people from different times can jump into? Or, like, I genuinely don't know the answers to these questions. Or is there some sort of body swapping that can happen, like, biological human to biological human in, in or what is presumed a biological human, not a peripheral in the sim? Like, what is going on? Right. My favorite part of the fight scene, though, is when Alita starts to get really fucked up. Homer leaves Flynn behind and is like, oh, an elevator? Sounds great. Bye. <laughs> Later days. And ultimately, Burton gets out of the the plastic cuffs, tries to fight this guy again, but gets sonic boomed into the brain and dies. Which immediately leaves Flynn back in the real world that she was not able to exit herself now she guess she knows how and she is like never again dude i'm done that was freaky as shit like she runs out of the trailer and vomits because why wouldn't you yeah but even the first time when she went in and she was like this is so cool and she got up she almost fell down so clearly there are not only like mental ramifications of what she's seeing, there are external physical ramifications and possibly toying with your brain in, quote unquote, the real world, or at least the current timeline as well. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like she got the first time when she felt really like sore and like kind of sick afterwards. It seemed like she did get into a massive fight and was able to feel all of it because she was she when you're in the peripheral, you feel everything. It's like you're in a real body. Does that somehow carry over into your non-peripheral life? Right. Is it sort of a almost a trauma? Yeah. That that comes with you. I that is an excellent question. I'd love to see if they if they answer that and these types of things that we're discussing the last few minutes as it goes on. Because I think that these are important questions. And I have a lot of like theories about what it is, but given that it's yeah, episode one, I'm not going to get crazy with them. But yeah, definitely I have questions about Alita. I have questions about what this is doing to Flynn in her actual body. Yeah. One of the concerns that I had, and I know we're only talking about episode one, but since two is out, I will at least say this. When I first watched this like on its own, I was so concerned because I was like, okay, Chloe is supposed to be the main character. She's playing Flynn. But she's in Burton's body. Like, is she not even going to be in the show except for to close her eyes? Like, it's just all closed up on her face. But luckily, and I was so glad it got resolved so quickly, she is in her own peripheral as herself in episode two. Oh, thank fuck. Because that was a concern I had as well. I have not, you know, watched episode two, so I don't know anything beyond this pilot. But I was like, I mean, she has nice eyes, but is that seriously what we're doing? <laughs> Yeah, she is our protagonist. Let's get the actress in more scenes. Exactly. But so she's like never again and puts it behind her. The next morning, she is like depressed in bed and having this existential crisis like we were talking about, about like, if this is a sim, why would you make it like a robot? Why wouldn't it just be a person? She tells Billy Ann, who stops by and is like, we've dealt with your depression before. Now you're getting out of bed. You're going to work. We're dealing with this. Mm. She finally confides in her about this sim thing and is like, I think that I might have really been there. Okay. 
I love two things about this. There's probably more, but I love two things that I can immediately think of. One, she didn't keep it in. It was not one of those, you know, oh, I think this, but I'm going to keep it a secret. I love that she immediately told somebody that she trusted. Like, this ain't right. This is freaking weird. Yeah. And the second thing, I thought that it was really interesting. I like that they made Flynn more multidimensional here. She's not only like dealing with, you know, all the stuff that's going on. She seems very like full of grit and she's helping her mom and she's doing those like, you know, that whole Southern thing that seems really like an archetype. But she clearly has some stuff going on herself. She has said, you know, because somebody else asked, like, why doesn't she just do this? She could make a ton of money. There's something about her in either her depression or something she's, you know, gone through before that indicates to me, especially when she says, like, this is the only world I have, that she maybe has lost herself in this before. Yeah. And so she is... She's willing to help Burton. She's willing to do this jockey stuff, but she's only able to kind of dip her toe in so far because she knows that she will get lost in it. Like to me, it shows, and I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But to me, it shows almost the personality of an addict. Like I know my boundaries and I can't get into this any further because look at this real world and how shitty it is. Like I would prefer to be there. And yep. My guess is that she's done that before. I could see that very easily. Yeah. And so her depression, at least my guess is that last time, you know, Billy and talking about, we went through this before. My guess is that it was because she basically had to be like unplugged. And then when she had to readjust to reality, it was just like too much to deal with. Yeah. I think I, I like that theory. I co-sign it. Yeah. I mean, I may be reading too much into it because like I have mental illness, but. I think that it's it's a fair thing to to take out, especially if they never explain it. I think that that's a fair a fair assumption or fair theory, as you indicated. Can we talk about how cute it is that Billy Ann pulled out the little statue thing of Tommy because they accidentally printed two grooms for his wedding and Flynn was keeping it. And Billy Ann is teasing her about it because she's got such a crush. My guess is, right, that I don't know. Flynn's probably like in her mid 20s. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely like graduated from high school, whatever. I, I'm sure nobody around went to college per se. But my my guess is, especially based on the age of the actors and stuff, that she's probably mid 20s. And yet Billy Ann teases her like their children, which I, I love that kind of lived in relationship that just shows like they treat them. They like treat each other like they always have. I really like the dynamic between Flynn and Billy Ann. It's it, Billy Ann kind of grounds Flynn and adds a certain or shows a side of Flynn that we wouldn't get to see without Billy Ann around. I agree. I agree. Because as much as I like her relationship with Burton, it's just very different for it to be a sibling versus a friend that she's chosen to have in her life for that long. And what I really like is that the creators, the writers, whoever decided that that character needed to exist. Yeah. Other types of sci-fi shows, you wouldn't even have her. Oh, 100%. And I think I think that she's necessary not only for the levity that she brings, which I think is really important in dark shows, but also because, like you said, she she enhances Flynn as a person and not just who she is in that quote-unquote other world. Yeah. So, yeah. We go back to Kinko's. 
She is like, never again. Burton doesn't really understand what's going on. So we go back to Kinko's and she's like getting notifications on her watch. She's getting notifications through every printer. She's getting things that are talking out loud, texting across like she gets a call. Yeah. (laughs) And it is from Wilf. And he's like basically saying, dude, if you like you are in super danger and if you don't log back in, I can't help you. So you need to log back into the sim because you're in danger. And finally, he's like, hey, a nine million dollar hit has been put out on your family on the dark web. Go back into the sim so I can help you because you gonna die. Okay, can I please tell you how much I love in any show, movie, whatever, when they just say like the dark web? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as if it's just like a location that you go to, like its own website. Web.darkweb.net. <laughs> it's for sure a dot net. <laughs> but it always cracks me up. It's like everyone knows that shorthand terminology, but it also means nothing. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, it could have been Craigslist for all you know. <laughs> Nine million. It just doesn't have the same oomph as the dark web. It really doesn't. So anyway, on Craigslist, somebody put out a hit for these people. And... At the end, when Burton is gathered up with his group of chums drinking, and she still is kind of like, I think I'm just going to ignore this. But she tells him what was going on. I love the joke how the guy was like, are you sure it's not $9? (laughs) You guys are not interesting. You're like not worth anything. Why would anybody care about you? And she is like, I'm genuinely kind of freaked out like it didn't go into the detail of how the 3d printers came to life and started talking to her which i think maybe is a key thing to include if they believe her be like look the technology became sentient oof there you go but they don't take her seriously and she's like whatever fuck you guys (laughs) and goes inside the house to give her mom's hair a bath oh so at the very end his unit is out there And they are actually talking about Connor, the gentleman who was blown up, Eli Goriel grown. And one of the guys is saying, maybe we should actually take this seriously, at least enough to check, because we know what happens when we have intel that we don't act on. And that was obviously referencing, well, I mean, they blatantly said it, but it was referencing what what occurred to Connor because they thought they knew something but they didn't really take it seriously so dude's got drones because obviously and they find (laughs) a bunch of guys in the woods right around the home closing in and that's kind of like i mean that's where it cuts off because you know like that's a that's a good cliffhanger for a pilot it's a good end and i think though that that probably is why they released it with episode two because that is infuriating. <laughs> like, yep. But what I found, and I didn't mention this at the beginning on purpose, after the scene with the creepy kid, the first scene that we see before it actually transitions to Blue Ridge Mountains 2032 is a white model of their property with the home, even with the Airstream. That's what I'm going to call it because brands. Everything about their property is laid out. And at first when I saw it, I thought that it was them, like, that it was the dudes from the siege. But it's not. It's Burton's unit. Yep. All sitting around the fire. 
So it's like, wait, you almost have like a like a premonition thing going on here. First of all, it's all white. So, you know, it's super rich people. <laughs> yeah. If anything's all white, you know, it's just some bougie shit right there. Exactly. But they're setting up these guys. And when I saw the end, I was like, ooh, they had been planning that. And here comes the dudes. And now I don't know what I think about it. I, at first, was just like, oh, it's artistic. And then when they they showed an updated version of the homestead in white plastic and it had the like army guys and his and his troop and stuff and i was like oh fuck somebody is orchestrating this entire plot line Uh uh-huh which is super fucked up yep who has nine million dollars to waste on this I know, for real. And they already knew, though, that those guys were going to be there. So is this somebody from the future? Is this creepy Corbell in charge of the whole town? Is one of his unit guys in on it? So, you know, they they were like, hey, get him to such and such point or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. There's There's so many possibilities to what that could be. But when I realized that it wasn't the shooters in the trees that it was actually the guys around the fire i was like somebody know too much (laughs) yep and that's 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 where the pilot ends and we did mention that flynn does find out from her mom that that burton has been giving her his pills and not taking them himself which instantly reframes him as not a giant douche nugget yeah, and the scene with him, I mean, just clearly those, you know, the stuff lighting up on his back and he is just in what looks like unimaginable pain just like breaks you for him because she sees him that way and she just kind of like leaves a beer and leaves him alone, but then finds out from her mom. Oh, he said he didn't really need him anymore because it's not too bad. And it's like, oh, OK, OK, this is a different kind of guy than what we thought. Yeah, but I think as far as pilots go, it was a very engaging episode. It obviously has to do a lot to lay the groundwork. And I think there was a good balance between the 2099 sim and just getting to know these characters in their normal life before like shit goes upside down. For sure. I think that too. There was it was packed. There was a lot going on. And yet I didn't think it was overloaded. It all flowed pretty easily. There was a good going back and forth of it and kind of having those two storylines that right now are only tied together by Flynn. But I'm curious to see who else, if anyone, ends up there or from 2099 ends up here. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really even think of that, but that's going to be wild. I'm really excited that you mentioned that Flynn gets her own peripheral. For sure. Yeah. Because let's give Chloe work. And I really enjoyed this pilot. And I don't give a shit what the reviews say. Don't be critical just for the sake of being critical. If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. And I think that it is a fun show so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to watching the rest of the season and talking about it. Yeah, me too. And I think that what I saw is I've never watched Westworld. Okay. Because once I really like heard a lot about it, they had, they did that weird thing where a few people guessed like the end of the season of season one. So they just like changed it, which is so stupid. But it seems to be inconsistent. And I know people have said in the last season, especially like season four was really bad. And 
this is by those same creators. And so a lot of people saw, you know, like the coids and they're like, oh, we get it. You like robot storylines, blah, whatever. And I feel like that obviously, even though there's things that you can compare in it, you know, with the with the robots, if you will. And I'm sure that it'll start to go down some sort of path of like sentience and stuff. And are these things alive and that whole deal? Or maybe they won't, but there's that's an option. But I feel like some of these critics are just really upset at Westworld. And not giving the the show a fair shake. I could see that this show is also based off of a novel. That gives me a lot of hope. So while it is adaptation from a novel, you know, they obviously get to take creative liberties with that. But I think the fact that it's based off of a complete story might help keep it from pulling a Westworld. Yeah, I agree. And I have seen the writer William Gibson online really promoting the show he was involved with it seems to be happy about where it went i've also seen people who are are just viewers you know not i had to step away from the critics for a hot minute cuz i was like i'm really tired of what you're saying but i saw several people who actually said i read the book this is exactly how i pictured you know the london 1999 or a couple who even said all right they're they're going a little bit different direction but it totally falls into like the context of canon and i'm super down with it so i i was pleased to see that because a lot of times you know the first thing you see is is book lovers of something going nuts so over it so i've i've seen really really good feedback from viewers and then a couple of critics who just seemed like they just wanted something to hate and i get tired of that well if you enjoyed the show you have this podcast to listen to and hear us theorize and talk about it and love the show there you go. And we will be back with episode two, like as quickly as possible, and then try to release a little bit after each episode coming up until we get to that. I'm already like looking forward to the eighth episode. I don't know why. That's <laughs> sweet, sweet eighth episode when we're free from this bondage. I just, I want to binge it now. I don't understand how services are currently determining which shows they will drop altogether and which ones they will do week to week but it seems like they're torturing me with which ones they choose to do week to week i don't appreciate it yeah no seriously but i mean the week to week format does make it more feasible for us to podcast absolutely it gives us a lot more time to like theorize and and dig into little pieces of that and i love that so because if i had all eight episodes of this show like you bet i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna sit there for like 10 straight hours and watch eight fucking episodes of this yeah. show and then somebody's gonna say which is your favorite episode and you're like i didn't even know they had separate well, I'm sorry, there are episodes. i thought it was just a 10-hour movie weird <laughs> cannot even keep track of that so if you made it this far thank you so much for listening we will be back shortly with episode two twins out bye